Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Acts chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read verses 42 through 47. And uh, what's happening here in Acts chapter 2 is that we have the Gospels where we have Jesus in the flesh on the scene. Jesus is there. He's got disciples. He's got followers. There's crowds. Uh, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about uh, salvation. He's talking about uh, all these crazy things are happening. People are being healed. Dead people are being raised up. Jesus walks on water. That was a lot of fun. So all these things are happening. And then eventually he gets to a point where he tells his followers, hey, it's going to be better for you if I'm not here anymore. And to their response was, you're crazy. How could it ever possibly be better, Jesus, for us to do life with you not right here by our side? And he goes, no, that's a good point, but I have to go back to the Father, but I'm going to send you my spirit so my spirit will be able to live in all the people who put their faith in me, not just me in the flesh walking physically with everybody. And so he did, and so in the book of Acts, what we see happening is the church first happens. That's the first time that we see the church actually beginning to form people who are gathering together for the purpose of coming together in the name of Jesus so that they can be an impact in the world and in the community around them. And so it was an amazing thing. They, they, had, a, they had a prayer service. It, got, it was awesome. It went, got a little crazy. And then they, they began to kind of spill out in passion and excitement into the community around them. And people were observing them, accused them of being drunk. So it must have been a very interesting prayer meeting. And, uh, but they got accused of being drunk in that moment because, no, 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 we're not drunk. Uh, because, well, you know, it's only 9 in the morning. It's actually in here it says that. And I thought that was very comical that Peter said that. It's only 9 in the morning. You know, if it was 7 or 8 p.m., maybe, but it's 9 in the morning, and uh, so that's not a thing. And uh, he goes, but what, what we are experiencing is that the presence of God, the Spirit of God, has come and made his home inside of us and now has given us supernatural power to be a witness to the world around us. And so it says that Peter got up and he preached to the whole crowd that was there, and at the very end of his message, it says that there were 3,000 people that day that believed what he said and got baptized and joined that very first church. That is a successful launch Sunday if you are a church planner. That's a good day. And so how many of you know whenever you start something, it's great to start. Starting things can be fun. If you're an entrepreneur, starting a business can be fun. Starting a new project, if you're super creative and you like to build things, something new can always be fun, but it doesn't stay the first day, right? It doesn't stay new because eventually there's a culture that has to come into play that will build and sustain what you have begun. And the church is no different. The church is no different. So it says right after they had this, this incredible moment, this incredible experience, it says that in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers shared everything that they had. They sold their property, their possessions, and shared the money with those who were in need. And they worshiped together in the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. That would be the equivalent of gathering together at church and then also gathering together in small groups in people's homes. And it says that, um, and they enjoyed with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. It says that each day the Lord added to their fellowship, to their church, to their numbers, those who were being saved. And so last week we, uh, I started a, a, a new series called For the Culture. 
And, uh, and I think that's so important as a church. We're, we're new. As we've said a couple of times now, we're only five weeks old, five weeks today. And, uh, and that's new. If we were still a baby, we wouldn't be able to feed or change ourselves right now. And sometimes it feels that way, and that's okay. Uh, but we're new, and so what's important is, in, is not that we just show up and we're like, yeah, this is so great, we're having fun, but that we begin to intentionally build a culture within our church that helps us accomplish what God put us here to accomplish. And so we're doing this series called For the Culture because we want to, we want to do things on purpose in Convo that are for the culture. And not just for the church, there are things in your life whether it's your business, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your own, uh, your own personal private life, whatever it is, that if you are not intentional about, a culture will develop that is contrary to what you're trying to accomplish. And so if you have a, if you have a culture in your business where employees come late to your business to work and you never say anything to your employees about how, you know what, uh, if we hired you to be on time, we need you to be on time, this is what on time means. If you don't correct the behavior, then it becomes an accepted behavior and it becomes a part of your culture. And so the same thing is true when it comes to your relationship with God. There are things that God desires to build inside of you, but if we don't put the right culture in place, the right practices, then we will begin to develop something inside of us that is not God's best for us. Same thing as a church, and that's where we're at today. Last week, we kind of introduced the whole concept of for the culture and the, th- the fact that every culture starts with the foundation. You don't just like, all right, we're, let's have a culture. No, every culture is gonna come from values that you have, and your values are always gonna come from a foundation. For us as a church, and if you are a, a Jesus follower, we believe what the Bible teaches is that your foundation is the word of God is the unshakable, powerful, living word of God. And this becomes what we, we stand on to get the foundation that pours into us, that gives us the values that are inspired by the word of God, that begin to build a culture inside of us that gives us a mission. Because a church without a mission is, I don't know what to call it, it's just a waste of time. <laughs> a church without a mission is a waste of time. Anything, honestly, in my opinion, without a mission is a waste of time. I have a mission in my marriage, and that's to be a better husband and to have a hotter marriage as the years go on. And so there are things that I must do as a husband to, to build that culture so that that continues to happen. And so in January, it's gonna be 18 years, so still working on it, still working on it. As a parent, my, my mission is for my kids to raise up and to go farther in life than I did. That doesn't happen by me just uh, working and then coming home and then turning on the TV and not talking to my kids and not talking to my wife because I'm tired and, and I'm demonstrating love by my hard work, but I'm refusing to let them know that I love them by telling them. That doesn't have, that's a bad culture. We need to have a culture where we are actively engaged at accomplishing the mission that is put in front of us, whether it's business, whether it's our friendships, whether it's you know, our college education, whether it's our careers, whether it's a relationship with God, there's a culture that needs to be built. And uh, some of you might not know this date, but you'll know what it's connected to. So I want to tell you this one. July 17th, 1955. That was a good year. I wasn't born yet, so I really don't know. 1955, an event took place that was so specific, so calculated in its culture and its mission that if we look at it now, it really has in some way, shape, or form, it's changed our world. And so what happened on that day was that the doors opened for Disneyland. Do we have any... Do we have any Disney fans in our midst? Disneyland opened that day. I missed it. Um, again, I wasn't born yet, um, but I bet you it was awesome. Uh, we all know, you know, the, the iconic figure, Walt Disney, behind the, the, the dreaming and the ideation of the whole thing coming together. And so it's ironic that even though he's gone, 
what he envisioned and the culture that he desired to see through that, through that business and through that organization, through the theme park, is still in place today. And yeah, they, 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 they're adding stuff to it and you know, new, new attractions and as, as things begin to develop, but at the end of the day, they're still the same culture. You could have walked in in 1955 and you can walk in today, it probably costs a little bit more, but I guarantee you that your experience is going to be very, very similar. Because here's the thing, in, in, in Disneyland, they, they don't have employees for one. They have cast members. Their whole mission is to, for people to have a good time, for guests to be happy. And so they have a culture that says, listen, if you are a cast member and you are present, that you are, you are always, uh, you are always was it, in character. You're always in character. Whether you're Mickey Mouse or whether you're sweeping trash you know, on Electric Avenue, you are in character at all times because they have a culture that they desire to keep up to accomplish what? Keeping their guests happy. Why? Because it's the happiest place on earth, unless you're waiting in line in the summertime. Unless you got, we got that zip pass where you get to go past everybody, that's not too bad. Uh, but they work hard, and so they, even over the years, even though Walt Disney is gone, and they still have leadership, and they still have ownership, there's still people that are working together to make sure that the culture is established within that organization, so it continues. But every single life, listen, the message of Disney is, is for guests to have fun, the message is the happiest place on earth. What's your message? What's your life message? You're like, well, I don't know, I don't know if I have one. I, I want to tell you that you have one. I have one. Whether you are intentional about what your life message is or whether you're just doing life and, and you don't think you have one, you have a life message. The life message isn't always what you communicate. It's what is communicated by others watching you and observing you and perceiving you and, and being in relationship with you and having conversations with you. And so we, we kind of have, have a choice in this situation of we can be intentional about what our life message is or we can just kind of go through life blindly and allow other people to make up that message for us. And, and I would venture to kind of take a little bit of boldness here and say, you want to be intentional about this. You only get to do it once. And, uh, and the, the beautiful thing, and we believe this wholeheartedly here at Convo, is that your life is not here just so that you can do life. Like your life is here, yes, your, your life is unique, absolutely, your life is one of, one of a kind, there, there's never been one before and there will never be another you again. But your life has purpose that is far greater than just yourself. And so you can go through life just thinking about yourself, but from, from, from observations and, and looking at history, I, don't, I really don't think it, that works out too well. I think we could probably mostly agree on that, that living that type of life doesn't usually work out too well. But a life lived where we are trying to impact the lives of people around us in a way that helps them find their purpose, in a way that helps them find that relationship with their creator, begins to be filled with so much more fulfillment, so much more value. We should be intentional about what our message is. Every mission, listen, we, every mission is gonna have a message. For us, Convo Church, and this is one of our culture, this is for the culture here, Jesus is our message. That's it, Jesus is our message. My kids get aggravated with me because they're like, Dad, what are you gonna preach on this Sunday? I'm like, Jesus. They're like, I know, but like, what are you, what are you preaching on? I'm like, preaching on Jesus. And of course, obviously, they wanna know like, what are, you, what are you talking about? What's the verse, what's the thought? So I, I just like to be annoying because I'm a beautiful father like that. So, but at the end of the day, if our message, if I get up here on a Sunday, 
or through our worship if we're not pointing people to Jesus, if in our, our preaching we're not opening up and pointing people to Jesus, which you can actually do that Old Testament and New Testament because Jesus, the Son of God, the love of God, the story of redemption throughout humanity is a central theme throughout the entire Bible. But if we're not getting up and talking about Jesus, then again, we become, in my opinion, a church without a mission, which is just a waste of time. There are things that we can do on Sunday. But the reason why we do this on Sunday is because we believe that we are gathering together to build each other up, to encourage each other, that wasn't a word, to encourage each other and to fill ourselves with faith and with encouragement to be able to go out into a world that is operating without those things in place. To go into a workplace where there are people that are punching the clock and trying their best not to punch somebody's face. That are, you know, they're, they're just trying to get through life, just trying to get through the day, just trying to get through whatever it is. And they, they don't even realize yet that their life is filled and created with purpose and potential. That there is a God, there is a creator that loves them so much. And so much so that Jesus was willing to go through the plan and the process of giving up his life on the cross and dying a, a, a murderer's death being murdered himself so that the punishment of sin and brokenness was put on him instead of being put on us. That's how much God wants you to know him and to know your purpose. He's willing to do whatever it takes. Can somebody say, for the culture? All right, I wanna put this up because this helps for Convo Church. This is our mission. This is Convo Church's mission. It's always important for us to kind of keep this in front of ourselves. Our mission as a church is to lead people in becoming passionate followers of Jesus Christ bringing God's love and grace into everyday conversations, influencing every sphere of life. For the convo culture, Jesus is our message. We always want to keep it that way. That doesn't mean that every Sunday we preach John 3.16 because we can go anywhere in here and we're talking about Jesus. But again, I want to bring it back. How, is, how can Jesus be your message? What does that mean? What does that mean for you to have Jesus as your life message? I would love for us to all be able to walk out and be like, hey, what's your life message? Well, uh, Jesus is my message. Because here's the thing, Jesus, Jesus is not a religious message. Jesus is a life-giving message. And when that, when that flips, we might as well take the name of Jesus and remove it from the situation altogether. Because religion is something that we put together to try to figure out and get to God or, or do away with God or to answer God or be, even be God. But what God does is, is he superseded the entire process to pursue us. Just like that story of the prodigal son that we talked about at the end of worship, God is in pursuit of us. Christianity is actually not us putting our faith in Jesus and us doing these things. Christianity started with Jesus pursuing us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so he did it when we were in the midst of our sin, not when we had gotten all of our crap together. God's not, all right, as soon as you get all your stuff figured out, as soon as you stop doing all the big, bad, nasty things, then we can talk. No, that's not how it works. God is saying, listen, I know you're jacked up. It's okay. It's okay to start there. I know you're messed up. That's okay. I still want you anyway. I still think you're good enough anyway. Come as you are and let me show you what I've created for you. It changes everything. Now, here's the thing. If Jesus is our, is, he's not just a method. That's something else that we have to avoid as a church is where it becomes our method because the thing is that Jesus isn't a method, he's a person and he's a message. Methods are always going to change over time, but the message never will. Does that make sense? Our methods may change. We, we may do different songs. We may, we may we're, dear God, help us one day be in a different facility. We're grateful for this one. 
We're grateful for this one. And sometimes I have to say that out loud. We're grateful for this one, but we have dreams and we have things that God's put inside of us. And so we know that, that venues may change, songs may change, lights may change, uh, the way that we seat may change. Things can change, but what never will change is the message. Because the, the things, you know, over time, there's a reason why we don't do church the way that it was necessarily done a thousand years ago. Things begin to change and, and grow and to provide different opportunities for us to continue to have better ways of communicating the same message. So I think for us to understand what Jesus, uh, what the message is, we gotta know what Jesus was about. And so I've, I've simplified it, and, I, and honestly, I think I've oversimplified it because I'm not about to define Jesus in like three or four statements. I think that's a little bit crazy, but for the sake of us painting a picture of where we are today, uh, this is what I feel like at the core of who Jesus was. When you look at what he did in the Gospels, this is what he was about. He was about seeking out the lost and saving the lost. It says in Luke 19.10, one of the Gospels, it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. That's one of the, it doesn't get more simple than that. And there's two things here. One, to seek them, and then two, to save them. He didn't just come to save them because he could just like, you know, snap his fingers, okay, you're saved. No, he came to seek out. That kind of paints this picture of a, of a God who wants to make it personal. He's seeking you out. He's like, I don't, I don't want God to seek me out. I'm afraid of what he might find. No, he already knows, but he's still seeking you out. He's okay with it. He wants to come to your life. He wants to seek you out because within that, he can bring salvation into your life. And I know sometimes that can be hard because very often people that are in need of salvation, whether it's a spiritual salvation or even something that's in their life, if they don't realize it, it can be very hard to try to get to that person. Because if somebody doesn't know they need saving, then they're not gonna embrace that opportunity when it comes their way. But that's okay to know that God is still faithful. Because for some of you that have a relationship with God, maybe, maybe it took some years. Maybe it took some, some journey. Maybe it took some, some time of you doing your own thing. Maybe completely rejecting God. Maybe trying different options. Maybe not allowing yourself to get there because you didn't think you measured up. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God did not give up on seeking you out? I'm so glad that God did not give up on seeking me out because it, it would be a completely different reality and I'd be a completely different person. But God is faithful in that. The other thing is that, that was at the core of who Jesus is is that he was all about serving others and giving his life. And I don't, and I don't wanna just morph that into is just the cross because I feel like it was so much more than the cross. The cross is huge, but he was giving of himself so much more than that. Matthew 20, 28 says, for even the son of man did not come expecting to be served by everybody, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. Another thing I think was at the core of who Jesus is is uh, he, having compassion. Jesus was a compassionate guy. Uh, and it says multiple times throughout the Gospels that Jesus observed a crowd, and it says that he had compassion on them. And uh, his compassion actually moved him to various types of action. That's how you know the difference between whether you just feel sorry for somebody or whether you're actually having compassion for somebody, because compassion will actually move you into action. It says that Jesus had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. And one of the things that he did as a result is he began to teach them. So teaching, giving people proper context was the result of compassion. He, there were also other times where it says that he healed all their sick, performed miraculous signs and wonders. Oh, that's really cool. But that's also a, a, a fruit of having compassion, is that you have compassion, you see what the need is, and you do what you can do to bring help to that situation. 
Sometimes it was teaching, sometimes it was miraculous signs and wonders, and that's okay. I think for us to understand who Jesus is, we have to start by knowing that he was a very compassionate person. This next one is interesting and, and especially can be a challenge when I think we get into a political cycle, uh, whether it's city, state, national, it doesn't matter. Um, Jesus was all about making sure that people knew that citizenship in heaven was more important than citizenship here on earth. And uh, it doesn't, you're, you're still a citizen here on earth. You're still, you have a nationality, you have a citizenship. But when you become uh, a new creation in Christ, Jesus was always talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. It says in, uh, in Luke 23, 34, no way, that's not the right one. Matthew 4, 17, sorry. Uh, and this was in the very beginning of his ministry. It said, from that time on, Jesus uh, began to proclaim his message with these words, uh, turn away from sin and come back to God for the kingdom of heaven is now accessible. He was always trying to bring the kingdom of heaven, not off in the distance. It's not when this, when this whole thing's over, then there's the kingdom of heaven. No, Jesus was all about bringing the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. And uh, which makes such a huge difference when you look at that in context. And so for me, um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one that, that promotes, you know, if you're, if you're a Christian, you'll vote X, Y, and Z. Or if you're, if you're a Christian, you'll be against X, Y, and Z. I think if you're a Christian, you're going to follow Jesus. I think if you're a Christian, you're going to be dedicated to being a citizen of heaven. Because when you're a citizen of heaven, it allows you to see people in a pure light. It allows you to not segment populations and races and ethnicities and economic status. It allows you to see people the way that God created them to be, which allows you to open up your life to much more valid community, much more valid relationships. Jesus was all about the kingdom of heaven. And you can't say, well, that's because he wasn't in America and he didn't have the political upheaval that we experienced in our life. No, he was, he was not in America. He was in uh, the empire of Rome. Uh, he was a Jew living in Israel that was under occupation from the Roman Empire. He lived in a place where they were, they would, uh, the, the military would come in and literally just kill dozens if not hundreds of people to continue to dominate their rule over the nation of Israel. So I think he understood in his context uh, how to exist with that mindset in a difficult political environment. And uh, that, that probably what we experience doesn't even come close to. Lastly, uh, Jesus was big on forgiving others unconditionally. And this is a, this is a like six year long series all by itself uh, on forgiving unconditionally. Uh, but he did, Ephesians 4.32, it says, uh, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So, okay, so I should forgive others because Jesus forgave me. Yeah, absolutely, it was modeled. Colossians, another book, uh, three, chapter three, verse 13, it says, make allowances for each other's faults. I can almost hear my mom telling me this. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And, uh, and the best example ever, this is actually when Jesus was on the cross. Not thinking about the cross, not going to the cross, but with nails in his hands, with nails in his feet, with a crown of thorns on his head, beaten beyond recognition, he's up on that cross looking at those who were mocking and torturing and ridiculing him. And some of his last words were to the heavenly Father, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. And so that's what Jesus was all about. And I think if we understand what Jesus is about, then we can begin to embrace what the Jesus message is inside of us. And here's the cool thing. Listen, the Jesus message doesn't mean that you have to go to work and start preaching about Jesus to everybody. I would highly suggest you not do that. I don't, I don't know how well that would open up for further conversation and dialogue. Uh, but here's the deal. The message of Jesus is better lived than spoken. The message of Jesus is better lived than it is spoken.
And then here's the deal. If you actually live the message of Jesus, it will give you greater opportunity to speak it later because it's a different life. It's not normal to live like Jesus lived. It's not normal to, to have the perspective that he had. It's not normal to love people the way that Jesus loved them. It's not normal to, to not be offended and to forgive others just without any, any uh, stipulation. It's not normal to live that way. But when you begin to live that way, I can promise you that people will take notice. I can promise you that people are going to begin to notice there's something different about you. And maybe they'll bring it up or maybe it'll come up in an opportunity later. But when it comes up, don't hesitate to tell them that I'm different because I have Jesus in my life. You're like, oh, I don't know if I could take it that far in conversation. I dare you. I red hot, triple dog, hey, no double dogs. I've read Hot Triple Dog Dare You that when that opportunity happens, just to say the name of Jesus. Because that will, that will provide room for conversation because people are gonna, oh, geez, so you're religious. No, I'm not, I'm not religious. What do you mean you're not religious? I, I'm just a person. I just, God loves me. I don't deserve it. Um, but he forgave me for everything and, and now my life has purpose. Now, now I, I know that I was created for something bigger than just existing and, and, uh, and, and I, that's, how, that's my message. That's my life message. Oh, really? Okay, so, so where's your list of rules? Don't you have them in your pocket? Don't you have a Bible? Isn't that called just a giant list of rules and do's and don'ts and you can't do this? That's not really what that's about. It's about having an intimate relationship with, with God and knowing how to find your purpose and know how to be an impact in your family, to know how to be a husband, how to be a, a, a mother, how to be a, a father, how to be a, a wife, how to be a, a citizen in our community that's, that's bringing positive change and loving on people instead of being a negative drain and, and just, just trolling on people on social media all the time. I mean, it's, there's different ways to do things because when people begin to see positive things actually being lived in your life, it will open up the opportunity for you to share where it comes from. But if your mission is still based on yourself, I don't, nobody wants, hey, what, what are you about? I'm about me. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> I would love to hear about this me that you speak of. No, it's not gonna happen because they don't wanna hang out with people like that. And I would challenge you, if you're living a life, you're like, man, I don't have, I don't have any friends. All right, well start, that's where you start with me. Well, how do, you, how do you communicate your life message to the people around you? Are you making it all about you? Or are you given an opportunity to make it about them? Are you allowing yourself to listen to what people have to say just for the sake of listening? Are you opening up yourself to, to do what Jesus would have done in different moments where Jesus wasn't showing up just preaching to people. Jesus was showing up loving on people. He was performing miracles because they needed it. He was healing people because they needed it. He was forgiving people because they needed it. He was letting people know that, that, that he wasn't gonna hold them guilty for what other people were trying to throw stones at them for. That's the way that Jesus did things. As a church, that's going to be our message. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.